the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. We talk about investor mistakes. We could talk about income and retirement. That's been one that has been really in my head psychologically. We all get different levels of social security based on how many years we worked and our earnings that we've put into the social security. I was talking about my brother, David. David's a little bit older than me by about, I want to say six years. Um, he started his career in the Marine Corps because they paid for his college. And when they paid for his college, I'm talking like uh, law, law school. So he owed them some service. And then he gets out goes into the private market. And when he was doing the service, he was in like Camp Lejeune and parts of San Diego. And he'd defend Marines. And it, the beautiful thing about that was the following couple months, he would prosecute them. He'd go from defending to prosecuting. And he got a lot of trial experience. So it worked out for him. No law school uh, bill. Plus, he got a lot of practical. People wanted to hire him because he had that Marine Corps military background. Yes, sir. No, sir. Kind of, you know, you could trust. So fast forward to he's 55, 56, 57, 58, somewhere in that range. And he's going back. He's left the private market and going back into being a lawyer for the Marines. And in this case, I think it's Veterans Affairs, something like that. I don't have all the details. Um, he was a brother that meant the world to me. But what he's doing, that's his retirement plan. Because he had a daughter and because he had a divorce, he spent a lot of money on her college and then the divorce. So he never made enough in the private market to fund his long-lasting retirement. So he's going back in working for the military again for the next five years so that he can get a pension. I don't know how much he's going to get and things like that, but the idea of a pension isn't bad. Um, I look at pensions as, like, if I can go back in time, there's a small chance I would have been a DMV employee. Because, A, I would have been fantastic at it. Just disappearing for 45 minutes while you just walked up to the counter. I could do that. But the whole idea of working 20 or 30 years for the state and then retiring when you're 50 isn't unattractive to me. I have an acquaintance who is a police officer. And he worked for 30 years. And then um, he basically hooked up with a DUI attorney. So anytime there's DUI arrest, for some reason, they they seem to have like all sorts of technical problems. I don't know why. But he he works with a DUI attorney and he goes over the police reports and spots things that are instantly wrong. 
So he's retired. He worked 30 years as a police officer, has a place in, in Hawaii, comes back to the United States, goes to court maybe four or five times a, a month, and then flies back to Hawaii. That's a retirement. But you know why he can do it? It's that pension. It's that safety. Now, again, back in the days of our parents or this older police officer, pensions were fantastic. Pensions were all that in a bucket of chicken. If I were to build the perfect woman, somehow she might be a school teacher and have a pension. And I might be the entrepreneur who has the 401k. She might be the kindergarten teacher who has health care benefits through the state. I might be the entrepreneur who's got good tax write-offs. I know you're saying, would you ever consider loving someone because they're monetarily, fiscally perfect? <laughs> you bet I would. Yeah. Um, and I think we should more, more of us should think that way. I can't tell you how many people get divorced because of money issues or just not even see an eye to eye. And again, would I honestly go back and, and, and potentially work for the DMV? I would. Because starting your own company stinks. Paying your own taxes stinks. Hiring people stinks. Firing people stinks. And working at the DMV and just being like a stealth ninja who disappears for long shifts of the day sounds right up my alley. Somehow, though, I would probably get fired. Now, again, the sad thing is at the DMV, you're probably tapped out at 60000 a year or 70000 a year. I don't know. what What's the tenured rate for a DMV employee? Um, maybe it's a little higher than that, but when you're an entrepreneur, you can make 10 million a year, but the entrepreneur doesn't get that pension. Pensions are super important because the idea of income in retirement, it is nice. Um, anyone that I know that has a pension, they're better off for it and they feel comfortable knowing that their, their cash flow is what it is. My mom has a pension because my dad was in the military and she inherited his. It's interesting to note he could have taken out a different type of it. Uh, when you retire from the military, you can decide if you want a lower payment for two or you want a higher payment for one. And uh, a lot of times people make mistakes on that one. So a lot of times people assume my mom was, a, was overweight, right? My dad was skinny. Uh, my dad got cancer and died. My mom's been alive for 25 plus years after his death. He had life insurance on her. He had almost no life insurance on him. How sick is that? Again, not like, not like I'm not complaining about my dad, but he knew she would die before him. And it didn't happen that way. So just things to start thinking about a little bit. My little sister, because my dad died before she was 21. She got like social security for my dad dying, which was kind of, I don't know. It wasn't a lot, but let's just put it honestly and say it was noteworthy. Now, 2019 marked the end of a go, 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 go year on Wall Street and a go, 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 go decade. The last time we had a big recession was the 2006-2008 time frame, and we called it the Great Recession. because A lot of people lost jobs, and unemployment went to 10-11% in the United States. Now, you don't even stop and think about that. It was tough 10 years ago, but right now we're like, this is glorious. Glorious. There will be another down cycle. That much I can promise you. Recessions are a normal thing. 
recessions are not a boogeyman. Recessions are not Jason Voorhees. Recessions are not a horror movie. Recessions are not like the Saw movie. They're not that bad. Recessions curb excesses. And our president can want growth at 4%. We're, not, we're too big of a nation to grow at 4%. Goldilocksian, 3%. 4%, we'd create inflation. 2%, eh, that's getting a little close to stalling out. So we're going to have another recession. I throw that up now because after 10 years, we forget. And we get acclimated to things only going higher. People have to live through four or five recessions before they see them as normal. I loved a recession. When I came to the Bay Area in 2000, Bam, <laughs> get walked right into a recession. But the good thing about that was when I would go into the grocery stores at the Safeways, everyone had jobs. Everyone was six foot five, both men and women. Everyone was an Amazon, good looking, unbelievably expensive clothes. And then the recession came and let's just say ugly came back to town. Let's just say people moved back home. Suddenly, that six-figure job, they were, you know, we don't really need a, an, an executive assistant for four presidents of the company. You guys can do your own emails. Boom, that person was fired. So it curbs excesses. Recessions are good. Recessions are not bad. Uh, but when you're going through them, they feel pretty horrible. I get it. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Big seminar coming up. You can learn more by listening to the commercial as well as going to the website, Rob Black Show, and using the code radio25 to sign up today. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. 2020 was the year that we saw Pier 1 really start to struggle, planning to close half its stores. I bring it up because at some point in time, I worked in movie theater. What was your first job? I had a great job. I worked in movie theater, and I did the projection. Sometimes I, I was the usher. Sometimes I was the projection. I was never the guy behind the popcorn stand. I don't know why. I think our manager was sexist, and he wanted young ladies back there. Or I don't know. Why am I bringing this up? Oh, because it was a mall-based movie theater. And in the mall, you would walk around and, you know, in between your shift or after a shift, and you'd walk by a Pier 1, and you're like, what's going there? And like, looks like they have frogs in cages. It's one of those stories that you're like, it's not quite right. But then again, if you need a, a weird wicker basket uh, or a futon or a beanbag, they seem to have it. So Pier 1 imports failed, closing half their stores. Malls are a thing of the past. And you just take a look at, like, um, I can give you an example. At one point in time, everyone wanted to move out of the city, and that's why, like, football stadiums were built way away from cities. I know you're saying that's that's incredibly insightful. Um, but there was a trend of moving out of the city, and now there's a trend of moving back into the city. So same exact thing can happen with there was a trend like after the war, we decided that, well, we had all these factories, so we need to do something. So we made furniture. We made washers and dryers and we were like, every good American needs a washer and dryer. And we'd go to the mall like Sears and pick up a washer and dryer. I'm a little sad that Sears has died the way they've died because one of the little tricks that I learned was that you can order a washer the night before and they'll deliver it the next day. And take your old one away. 
you try doing that like at a Home Depot or Best Buy, and they're like, oh, well, we'll schedule delivery for three weeks. And you're like, what am I going to do for three weeks? I can't possibly go to a laundromat. I have a, a running thing. If you ever see me in a laundromat, I'll give you a million dollars. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm doing everything I can not to be in a laundromat so I don't have to pay up that million dollars. Um, but yeah, so the ability to like that push in the mall used to be really good for companies like Starbucks. And then people stopped going to malls. So Starbucks started showing weak comparables and same store sales. And again, even some really funny ideas like Peter Lynch. Peter Lynch is greatest investor of all time. He ran the Fidelity Magellan Fund. Most successful fund of all time, right? And yet everyone, not everyone, the majority of people who bought the Magellan Fund lost money. Because statistically, they got they bought high and they sold low. They're like, ooh, the market's up 10 years in a row. We better get in and, and go get some of that Magellan now. Bad timing. So you rushed in. It's like um, there were some statistics recently that cancer deaths in America are dropping but it turns out it's not because the drugs and the pharmaceuticals or anything like that. It's just people stopped smoking in the 70s and 80s. So cancer deaths should start dropping. And people started dying a little bit early. So people who are dying, not of old age, but of consumption, cancer, uh, that's, that statistic started dropping. So you got to be a little careful with statistics and, and looking at things. So Pier 1 Imports is a company that would never, ever, ever, never interest me as an investment. And yet you could publicly buy it. I was more caught into like the premium names. Like, why would you buy Pier One when you can buy a Home Depot? If you need stuff for your home, like wicker baskets and futons and bean bags, yeah. I, I, but you're also going to need paint. You're also going to need rugs, and that's where the Home Depots come into play. Um, so I'm just not that kind of guy. Oh, I was going to talk a little bit about Fidelity Magellan and Peter Lynch. So he's famous for investing in Chipotle. Uh, uh, Restaurant chain with, um, help me here. No, not PF Chang's. Um, it was mall based. Uh, we worked there. Uh, Chili's. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for like a week, I worked at a Chili's and it just didn't suit me. But they had this weird thing like they wanted to train you as a waiter in college, but then you had to give all your tips to the senior waiter for like a month. And that's no go for me. <laughs> I ain't doing that kind of hustle and, and, and jive. Um, but, 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 so Peter Lynch had a thing where his kids would like, he'd go like, my kids went to the mall and they walked by a store called the limited and they really liked it. So I bought the stock and my kids, they, they only want to eat at Chili's. So I, re- I bought the stock and there was a little bit of, um, I talked to Peter Lynch and he was the most miserable, miserable uh, interview I ever did. Close. And again, it's kind of funny because if you look at it, there's a trend of I've done some pretty unhappy people. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the one at this stage, but there's one that I can think of that um, stands out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Peter Lynch was just a miserable and he was like being pulled out to tout 50 years of success at Fidelity or something like that. So he didn't want to do the interview. And certainly it just didn't go well. He was like a type of person who would yell at his secretary. That's what I'm trying to say. Or maybe his wife. So our producer would call him, and he's like, I think he's yelling at his wife, kind of thing. And then he'd get on the air, hello, all nice and sweet. So I, I don't have room for, like, a Pier 1. Do you have that in your head? Um, every now and then there's a company like a Wayfair that comes along. Do you remember Wayfair last year got into a little bit of trouble? Um, Wayfair's trying to do kind of pottery barn furniture, but at way, way of a discount price. 
and they're trying to do the delivery thing perfectly, and they're doing a really, really nice job, and they've got a young workforce. Uh Uh-oh, that's where it's going to get into trouble. It's the young workforce wasn't happy with the Trump administration and uh, the Trump administration buying beds from Wayfair so they could house immigrant children in the jails or whatever it was. So the employees got all upset. I don't have room for Wayfair in my portfolio. Why would I own a Wayfair when I can own an Amazon or a Target? And that's like you don't have a, a, a pure one. So I'm talking about portfolios right now and what do you put in them? I would prefer most people just do indexes and then go home and be a good husband, good wife. But I know you're going to buy stocks. So I own Apple. It's my largest holding. But I also own Nike and I also own Facebook. And I'm, I'm not embarrassed by those. Do I wish I owned more Apple? Mm, kind of. It's kind of cool. You know, stocks at an all-time high for sure. It, it had a better year than Nike, but Nike didn't have a bad year. It's just Apple gets the kind of the credit. So my portfolio and your portfolio has to have some diversification in it. You have to. Because after a 10-year run, you're immune to it. You don't think there's going to be a downturn. You don't think there's going to be anything negative ever. So, and when you get that opportunity, you get kind of excitable. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. You know, um, one area where I'm a bit of a hypocrite is I don't have any bonds. And when I talk to people like CFP Chad Burton or Brad Stacy, he works with Chad, and I go, I don't have any bonds. I don't want any bonds. He goes, you can't say that on air. Danger. Danger. You can't say that on air. That's irresponsible. You have to have diversification. I'm like, cool it, dude. Cool it. I don't want I, I, I've made a choice not to. And I, again, it's the wrong choice. I know that. I'm good with that. I'm comfortable with that. It served me well, but at the same time, I've had a lot less safety than I, 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 I've had a a much weaker portfolio. And then Chad's like, danger, puppy, danger. You can't cross the street unless you're diversified with bonds. I'm like, cross the street. Got to meet CFP, Chad Burton, myself at a seminar. You can sign up at Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show, use code radio 25. You can download some great downloadables at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Little interrupters. She's kerosene. Pretty good video. It kind of reminds me, the video kind of reminds me a little bit. Remember the Apple iPod videos, the, the dancers? They're just black silhouettes. I'm I'm a big fan of visuals. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I wrote a book um, 20 years ago. And I kept, basically for 25, 30 years, I've been keeping just copious amounts of notes. And some of it, it holds up really well. I probably have 100 pages of things that I can go to again and again and again that kind of describes who I am and what I'm thinking and why I'm thinking it. Don't fight the market is one of my typical sayings i've said a hundred million times on the show if i've told myself once i've told myself a hundred million times not to exaggerate but don't fight the market i used to have a nice office not that nice and a nice chart on it and uh it just basically showed the last hundred years of the dow jones industrial average and you can do the same thing with the s&p 500 and the nasdaq if you take a look at a 20 30 40 50 year chart you don't fight it. 
the market goes up. And the, the thing that you regret is when you get scared and you're out of the market, because then, like, when do you get back in? When it goes to zero? No. When it goes higher? Then you feel like, well, maybe I shouldn't have got out in the first place. So don't fight the market. And the, one of the best pieces of advice I can give you is, if Facebook's been publicly traded for five years, go look at a chart of the company. If you're looking at buying Nike, go look at a 30-year chart. If, you wanna, if you're 30 years old, 40 years old, and you want to own it for that long, if you maybe want to give it to your kids after you die, I, I think Nike's ready for a big push higher right now. I told you last year, um, Disney's ready for basically a double, and it did, um, with their movie slate. Nike looks really poised well, but consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks I ever mentioned. But take a look at a chart. It's not going to kill you. And if you take a look at like the market from like 100 years, you'll see World War One. You know that movie that is out right now, 1917? The U.S. won that war. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I know Europe is like, the U.S.? I think it was mobile like England. Okay, maybe. I don't know my World War One details. But I can tell you the market, when you look at it on a chart, you'd be like, I bet that was a tough time. No. World War II, Nagasaki, Hiroshima. President Kennedy getting assassinated. President Reagan getting shot. Nixon getting impeached. Markets just move higher. You don't even see these things as you get further and further. You know, if you take a look at it on 10 years, yeah, it does look like a, a patient having cardiac arrest. But when you see going out 20 and 30 years, you're just like, that's kind of moving up slowly and surely to the upper right. So don't fight the markets. Just take a look at a chart and you'll feel a lot more comfortable. Now, again, that doesn't always work because take a look at GE. Um, my dad could have told me like, Rabbit, if you buy GE, it's a great company. You could own it forever. Didn't work out that well. The word accounting irregularities equals sell. I've never, never even had a qualm with that. There was, um, there's other words like that are keys to me that I'm, I'm pretty adamant and strict about. For instance, if I'm dating someone and she brings up that she has a boyfriend, it's over. I, I, I'm not standing for that. <laughs> wait, wait, it's me. Oh, good. Sweet. Um, but you should have accounting irregularities equal sell. When you buy individual stock, you should look at the quarter to quarter numbers and the year over year numbers. You should read the annual report, also known as a 10K. Now, if you're a cop and you're out there busting bad guys, you don't have time, in my opinion, to do all that. And that's why indexes work better for you. I don't like buying dogs with fleas. I know you're saying you're giving advice on buying dogs. You know, literally, if your puppy has fleas, take it back to the puppy person and say, I don't want this one. It's got fleas. Same thing with stocks. Why buy a troubled company? You know, um, <clears throat> Snap is a poor man's Facebook, but Snap could easily be acquired. And it will be acquired, in my opinion, because uh, it's a social media platform that has some stickiness. But don't buy dogs with fleas. You don't have to. So, like Skechers, great American shoe company, right? I'm interested, but I like Nike more. And trust me, that, that sentiment doesn't necessarily jive with people in San Francisco. 
20 years ago when I was like, yeah, I bought shares of Nike because I like the running shoes. People looked at me like, Nike's an evil company. They're making little Asian children make their shoes because they have smaller hands and they can manufacture them better. I'm like, I'm good with that as long as I don't have to pay $200 for a pair of shoes. I'm 100 it's fine. And, and you, you, know, you know, I'm kidding, right? I hope you don't get that sarcasm. But it's interesting because, like, sometimes you have to, like, say, do you want to check your social conscious at the door? You remember Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globes in 2020? Basically taking it to Apple, saying, look, Apple's been nominated for the morning show. That's my worst British accent possible, but it's, it is what it is, right? And, uh, and it's about uh, people that try to do the right thing. And it's like from a company that has sweatshops in China. I was like, ooh, that's cold. How do you feel about, and it's kind of an interesting question. How about owning a phone that's tied to sweatshops? How about owning a stock that's tied to sweatshops? Do you let that influence you? Socially conscious investing is a thing, and it's surreal, uh, as is environmental issues for investors. Don't chase a stock. I think that's just one of my old pieces of wisdom that it's fine. I have a friend that regrets selling his Apple and he wants to buy it again. I'm like, you don't have to chase it. There's another stock. Like, for instance, if I had new money, I'm looking at Nike over Apple right now based on valuation and based on trends. But Solarberg Verizon for taking action on any stocks mentioned. Um, bottom fishing. This is one of my go-to phrases from radio and television from the last 20 plus years is like, don't be a bottom fisher. Look at price last on a company. There's people, I got an email just a couple days ago. I was like, do you think Costco or Apple or Amazon are going to split this year? I'm like, I'm not interested in stock splits. Sorry. And I, I stopped it right there. Like his mentality was going to be, I want to buy a company that's got momentum that has like uh uh, splitting the stock might be sexy to unsophisticated investors, but it's not. In, it's sexy to me. So I'm not a stock split guy. So this guy kind of lost me right there. And as far as bottom fishing goes, I'm not much of a fisherman, but I think the idea is you like fly fishing. You throw your hook and you kind of keep it near the water and you have some lure on it and you kind of pull it back to you quickly. And the fish jumps out of the water and you're like, you grabbed a big one, right? For the record, I've never caught a fish in my life. It's the saddest thing about me. It's kind of like never kissing a girl. I have done that, but I've never caught a fish in life. So there's something called catfish, right? Catfish are the fish that live at the bottom, the very, very bottom of the lake or river. And they're nasty, they're ugly, and they taste like dog food. They're not good food. They're not good fish. And if one bites you, it will probably take a finger off or pretty darn close. So that's called a bottom fish. And people that look for stocks, like, I only want a stock under $10. They're bottom fishers. They're looking for, I think I can, I think I can get a stock from 9 to $10 easier than I can get a stock from 90 to $100, even though it's the same move. It's based on market cap. But there's some people who are unsophisticated enough that they think price matters. And price doesn't matter. It's, it's market cap. When you see Apple has a market cap of... Oh my God, it's going to be hitting a trillion dollars. We've never had a company hit a trillion dollars. What? It's going to hit a trillion dollars. What are we going to do if it hits a trillion? And next thing you know, it's at 1.4 trillion. 
it's it, price doesn't matter. It's how many gadgets can you sell? How many cures for cancer can you sell? How many, what sort of profit margins can you get from millions of those gadgets? So I'm not, I'm not, I, I get people that want it stock under $10 and I'm like, don't do it. Um, go get a lottery ticket. If, if that's your mentality, get a lottery ticket, get a scratcher, which again, for the record, I love people who do scratchers. Um, they're just the dumbest people on the planet, financially speaking. So it's, it, it's, it's fascinating to me. Scratchers and, um, lottery tickets. The lottery's hit $265 million. Let's go play it at the office. And it's like, let's just burn our money. Let's just put it in a barrel and, and burn it. But you know, what's good about it is some of that money does go to local schools. Woohoo. So thank you very much for giving it a donation called the stupid person tax. Yes. Trust me. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Um, growth versus value. You know, there's a style box, and I talk about this very, very loosely and on occasion. If you go to Yahoo and you hit a mutual fund that you own, or if you go to like Fidelity and you hit a mutual fund you own, in the holdings area or the profile, there's going to be what's called a style box. And the style box is a tic-tac-toe board, and it's got three rows. And one row is growth, one row is growth and income, and one row is income. And then you can like see income also has another word meaning called value. So if you're going to buy an income stock or a value stock, you tend to get rewarded with a dividend and some cash flow, but you don't get a lot of growth in the equity. It's okay to have a style box that has all those checked. And I'd prefer that you do have some small, some mid, some large, some growth, some growth and income, and some income. If you mix those three sets of three together... You have a good portfolio in mutual funds. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Always have seminars coming up. They're a good chance to meet and greet. You can sign up at Rob Black Show. Use the code radio25. Listen to the commercials. There's one coming up. Sometimes headlines make you scratch your head. I saw one recently that Taco Bell was going to test a $100,000 a year salary for a manager. Some of their corporate offices and franchisees per se, but what would it take? What dollar amount would it take for you to quit your job and work at a Taco Bell as a manager? It's a good question, right? Um, and it also shows you the tough ability of QSRs, quick service restaurants, or fast food of, of retaining talent. I know some people that work in the restaurant industry, and it's not fun. They're typically there till 1 o'clock in the morning. They're, you know, a cook calls out sick. Someone gets fired. Someone quits. There's all sorts of drama. What magical number would it take you to work as a Taco Bell manager? And for the record, before we even had this, this question... The idea of being a manager at a Taco Bell is probably sounds like purgatory for me. It sounds like that couldn't possibly be fun. The, the restaurants are going to be gross and dirty. The rest, uh, like the restrooms are going to be issues all the time. I dated a girl when I was 15, 16, or Rachel. She worked at a Wendy's, and I think her boss hated her. Because anytime a kid would throw up in the bathroom, she had to go do it. And she was a dainty little princess who was not too happy about cleaning up vomit. 
And if you've, if you've been in fast food restaurants before, you've seen bathrooms that are just, they're, they're out of like, they're insane. You know, my favorite bathroom story was when I first landed in, as an adult, I landed in Germany at a train station. Well, I landed at, at a airplane, at a airport that I moved to a train station and one of the train stops, I had to use the restroom and I go out because it's at a train stop and it's just a hole in the ground. I'm like, what do I do? <laughs> and, so, and there was a rope. And it was just like, you don't really think of toilets as holes in the ground with a rope, but you basically swing out over it and do your business by holding the rope. And I'm like, what if you let go of the rope? You fall in. It didn't seem like the best idea. But where am I going at with this? Taco Bell, $100,000 manager. It's when I hear that, I'm starting to think Taco Bell is no longer going to cost $4 or $5. It's going to start costing $7 or $8 because the cost of labor is going up. The cost of getting good quality people is going up. And then there was also a story that I saw recently that in 2019, in the first half, 640 trucking companies went out of business. What? That's crazy. And then uh, we've lost 6,600 truck drivers in the last year, just basically let go, cut, no longer needed. Or there were some issues with China trade, and, and they downsized while the trucking business kind of collapsed. Do you know how much a trucker makes? He, too, makes six figures. So a Taco Bell manager makes six figures, and a trucker makes six figures. I I don't see that as very generous, but I, I, I see that as... Times are changing. There used to be a healthier economy where we were like, yeah, you can go work at a McDonald's and one day you can manage McDonald's and you'll start at $4.50 at the fry machine and you'll you'll work your way up to, to floor shift manager, to manager. You'll buy your own one day. But starting salary at 100000 plus seems high. And again, it's just, to me, labor. Good business story, right? Like, ask your spouse today. Did you know that, like, Especially if you have a stay-at-home spouse. Did you know you can get a job at a uh, Taco Bell and make six figures? Like, to me, a six-figure job when I was 16, 17, 18, I had to go to college for. Like, there was no way around it. And I don't think there's a University of Taco Bell, but there probably is a University of Taco Bell. Because every restaurant seems to have their own little corporate headquarters. And they tend to call it like a university. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Cost of labor is a big part of business. One of the things that a company like an Apple or Google has, when they do get in financial trouble or Facebook, let's say the advertising market slows down for Google and Facebook, they can always fire people and still make their numbers because the cost of labor is the most expensive part of running a business. So it's interesting because like when you take a look at an Apple and you go back and you look at the like the Apple store, the Apple Store was the, the most successful restore, retail store ever launched on a how much revenue do they get per square foot. And that's, that's an interesting dynamic because when you look at a Best Buy, you're like, that's a huge amount of square footage. And that's how these companies are judged by failures or success, like Bed Bath & Beyond. At one point in time, they were the only, only play in the housing goods industry. And then Amazon came along and suddenly Amazon doesn't have the square footage. So labor and square footage, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. C 
CES Consumer Electronics Show, always a good idea to review what happened at CES. And if you can actually go to a CES, it's I like it. I like uh, creeping around the floor and seeing what's out there. 20 years ago, there was these Sony Ibo robots. Do you remember the Ibo? A-I-B-O? There's this little metal dog that could like turn its head and add red lights for eyeballs. And if you stroked it, it, it cooed or something like that. People are like, it's, it's a robot. It's like all that. Now, if you go 20 years later, you're like, whoa. The robots are a-changing, and they're getting better, and they're taking over jobs. Samsung introduced uh, a virtual reality character called a Neon, I believe it's called. So if you YouTube Samsung Neon, and you're starting to see, like, the smart speakers are okay, but it's a speaker. And we're a visual group of people, so we want the visual avatars. Especially, think about this. Soon you'll be able to hire Mozart in augmented reality or virtual reality to teach you how to play the piano. That's pretty cool. You'll be able to be at front row at a U2 concert. Pretty cool. So, but it's going to take time. For instance, speakers will become home security and then appliances and thermostats, then locks. We're a long way off from good augmented reality or virtual reality. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. 